amazing uh, uh, how bright those things really are. When somebody's up here preaching, I don't know how these guys look at here. Uh, I have trouble when one of them is up here preaching and I'm looking because you look in those, those spotlights and really bright. And then the fact that they're looking at that spotlight <laughs> on my head, that uh, uh, they probably can't. <laughs> You're about blinded over there, aren't you? Amen. All right. The um, Romans chapter 8, verse 4 is where we're going to look at. Romans chapter 8, verse 4. It says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. We're going to continue to read, but, but God is simply saying that, uh, uh, that the only way that the righteousness of God is going to be fulfilled in, in us as human beings is when we are saved and have the spirit of God. Uh, we, we'll never do it through the flesh. We were talking a little bit about that this morning. We're going to kind of pick up where we were this morning. But verse 5 says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. That mean, Mind means they set their affections on. So if they're after the flesh, their affections are on the flesh. And so they're going to struggle continuously. They may go to church regularly, but as soon as they walk out the door, they're struggling all week long. And they come back, and they may be even struggling while they're sitting in the pews. But, but it says, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And so if the Spirit of God's in you, then you have that opportunity to walk after the Spirit. Uh, after the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And anybody that's trying to live their life for God understands that, how, how much of a peace that God gives when you're just walking in his presence, when you are right with God. And so he says, but the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. It's just, it just the, the carnal, we just don't live after the law of God. We're not going to live according to the, 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 the precepts of the word of God uh, because we're flesh and we're driven driven by that which we've set our affections upon, and that's the world of flesh. Uh, and so, and then verse 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless us tonight. Lord Jesus, I ask you to please guide me, direct my mind. Please help me uh, to, to have strength of body and clarity of mind tonight. Um, Lord, the, the, it just seems, my mind seems a little weary tonight. Lord, I ask you, please, to just help me, to guide me, direct in all that I do. Father, I, I, I want to be a blessing. I want to be a help. I want to be an encouragement. But Lord, sometimes that means we have to put our finger on a sore spot and so that that sore spot might be able to be healed. So Father, I ask, please, Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself today. And I ask you to please help me and 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 and. Father, I ask you once again to just protect our people. Wrap your arms around us as a mighty hedge of protection, and dear God, turn back every evil. Dear God, please, we need you in this, this evil world that we live. I beg you in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, uh, we talked about the flesh and the spirit, and, and this passage continues the thought, but God deserves, desires righteousness but righteousness lived out in the flesh can still never fulfill the law uh you know you say you truly can't really live righteous but you can do righteous acts only the righteousness of god that comes through and by living in the in the spirit of god 
Uh, it really fulfills the righteousness of the law because once we're saved through the Spirit of God, then, then the, we have the righteousness of Christ. But God not only wants our eternity dependent on the Spirit of God, but he wants our daily life dependent on the Spirit of God. And, and this morning we were talking about eternity. This tonight we're talking about our daily life. And God wants both of them uh, based, I guess, in the Spirit of God. Uh, where we work, I'm going to just make a bunch of statements here. Where we work, how we work, when we work should be dependent on the Spirit of God. It really should. I mean, we ought to, uh, you know, I had uh, a conversation with somebody, and the, and, 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 the, and the fact is is that you don't go anywhere because of a dollar. You go because God. You understand that? It really, you, you don't base it by, by how much you're going to financially benefit. You base it on, does God want me here? Where we live, how we live, and what we live should be dependent upon the Spirit of God. What we drive should be dependent on the Spirit of God. Where, where we study or go to college, we, we, it should be dependent on the Spirit of God. What we wear, how we wear it, should be dependent on the Spirit of God. Do you know, we really, it, it's so much of an issue of a battle over what I can and cannot do. Let me just tell you, talk to God about it. If you get the Spirit of God involved in it, it'll change your life. Nobody else has to say much. God will tell you. How we play, where we play, what we play should be dependent on the Spirit of God. With whom we socialize, where we socialize, when we socialize should be dependent on the Spirit of God. What we watch, how much we watch, should be dependent on the Spirit of God. You'll catch my drift. Things ought to be dependent on, we ought to be talking to God about it. What we read should be dependent on the Spirit of God. What we listen to should be dependent on the Spirit of God. Who we, who we listen to should be dependent on the Spirit of God. What we believe should be dependent on the Spirit of God. My daily decisions should be dependent on the Spirit of God. My attitude should be dependent on the Spirit of God. My joy, my hope should be dependent on the Spirit of God. My singing and what I sing should be dependent on the Spirit of God. What my eyes gaze upon should be dependent on the Spirit of God. What my ears listen to should be dependent on the Spirit of God. What I put in my mouth and in my belly should be dependent on the Spirit of God. When I do not depend on the Spirit of God, we begin, begin a decline and we begin to quench the Spirit of God. You see, we think that somehow we kind of can get to a spot and we've kind of uh, gotten spiritually grown and mature and we've kind of gotten everything so it's comfortable and we will just stay. But you don't. You're either listening to the Spirit of God about everything in your life or you're declining. You're quenching the Spirit. There's no, you don't stay stagnant in the spiritual life. You're either growing or you're declining. And I have to admit, uh, I, is it getting colder in here instead of warmer? I'm really, I felt like, uh, like, like air conditioning just turned on or something, you know. It's a huda, huh? 
like I said, I got this hormonal issue going on. So, only one verse deals with the quenching of the Spirit of God. And, and quench the Spirit of God, what it means is to extinguish, to put it out. This verse is, is, is very simple verse of a direct command. It simply says, it says 1 Thessalonians 5.19, quench not the Spirit. You know, I don't know about you, but you say, well, it just says it one time. When it says it like, like that, God don't need to say it again. Yes, it, the way, when I read that, I think, I think of my daddy saying, uh, don't do that, boy. And you know what that meant? You don't do it a little bit. You, you, you don't even try to do it. Matter of fact, you really better not even think about doing it. It's not at all. God says, quench not the spirit. Well, I mean, he didn't take much time on that. He just said, uh-uh, do not do it. Is that, everybody comprehend that one? All right. Here's, here's, I'm great at illustrations. All right, here we go. I'm going to show you my illustration. Here I am. At least that's the shape I'm becoming. And uh, do me a favor, turn off the lights there, fellas. Can y'all, the lights? Okay. You see that? I can say I've got a light there inside me. And there I am. I've got this, this light inside of me. We talked about that a little bit this morning. But what happens is, is that I've got a choice now. I can't, the Spirit of God speaks to me, and if I yield to that Spirit of God, whatever it is that He's telling me to do, I keep that light. But what happens is so many times is the Spirit of God speaking, but we're not listening. And it's almost, indete- you know, not detectable about how much that just dimmed down. And that's really what happens to us. We start to kind of darken inside. Our fire starts to be quenched, but you, almost, you really don't even recognize it. And so another opportunity comes, and God says, you know, I really don't think you ought to be, be watching that. And I kind of shove it aside because I want to find out how that finishes. And I got a little darker. And all of a sudden, something starts to play, and I just think, you know, the Spirit says, I really prefer you not to listen to that. But I think it's not that big of a deal. You know, I walk into the store, and there's a magazine there, and there's something there, and the Spirit of God says, you better look away quick, son. And I hesitate. You know, Lord may speak to me about, you know, I'm spending my money. And I think, you know, it's not going to hurt 
And we just, I don't know if you know this, but that's quite a bit darker than we started. And what happens is, the truth is, it just keeps stacking up and stacking up because we really don't notice it until I'm quenched. You can turn my lights back on for me. When I begin to quench the spirit, then that grieves the spirit. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 20 says this, But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye, be, that ye put on the new man which after God is created in, in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. He says a lot in this, but neither give place to the devil. Let him that steals, steal no more, uh, stole, steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the edifying, use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. God says, do you know who you're grieving? The very one that's going to make sure you get to heaven. The very one who sealed you up. God says, don't grieve him. You see, we grieve the Holy Spirit when we just keep rejecting what he's talking to us about. To grieve is to bring sadness, heaviness, or sorrow. When we quench the Holy Spirit by making our own decisions without the Spirit, it saddens and brings heaviness to the Spirit of God. So every time the Holy Spirit says to me, you really, son, I, 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 I think you ought to change that. I think you ought not do that. I think you ought to switch stations there. I think you ought to not, not uh, drink that or take that or eat that. Or, or I think you ought not go there. Or I think you ought not be in this place with this person. Or, you know, anything that the Spirit of God just kind of speaks to your heart. And, and that still small voice says, I, I really, you need not... I, might you need not even drive down that road because something inside you come to that light and you just think something is said turn here something said and you just like no it's going to take me two or three minutes more to go believe it or not that grieves the holy spirit of god when we quench the holy spirit by making our own decisions without the spirit it saddens the spirits brings heaviness to the spirit of god now why does it bring heaviness because as a child of god we are to be a new man but the new man that's what this passage said the new man is living the old way you see the passage says we're a new man but but god says it grieves me when you're a new man sealed by the holy spirit of god but you're still living the old way 
And what's happening is, believe it or not, it grieves him because we're missing out on the incredible new life in Christ that's available to us. He says, you can be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you, that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The spirit of God says, do you understand? You, you have this opportunity to be renewed and be a, be in, to live in, in, in righteousness and holiness. And you already read that that's going to bring you peace. And it grieves the Holy Spirit because he said, why would you want to miss that? Why does it grieve the Holy Spirit? Why does it grieve the Holy Spirit? Because God's child is giving place to the devil. Why does it grieve the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is saddened because if we continue to make our own decisions, we will eventually sear our conscience. 1 Timothy chapter 4 Verses 1 and 2 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. In latter times some shall depart from the faith. Doesn't say they disbelieve it, they depart from it. And what's going to happen to them eventually is their conscience will be seared with a hot iron. What happens is that we start making more and more decisions based on our own will and desires. We listen more and more to the siren call of the world. We buy what we cannot afford, even though our heart, the Spirit of God, told us not to. We watch which we should not watch, even though the Spirit said stop and turn it off. We listen to what, we, what we, we want, even though a still small voice is asking us to change the station. We open that can when, when inside of our chest there's a tightness, and we know it's the Spirit of God warning us to get away from it. We meet that person when, we, when our heart, uh, and our heart is in our throat almost, knowing that what is going on is wrong, and it's the Spirit of God warning us where we're going to end up. But the sadness of the Spirit of God increases as our willingness to listen decreases as we refuse the voice of God. You know, think about the games that, uh, uh, there's so much out there. You know, I, I spoke to the, to the men yesterday, and, 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 you know, from 2011 to 2015, we had a 50% increase in clinical depression of our young people. You know what happened in 2011? 2011 and 2012 is when we went over 50% of our young people possess an iPhone, that smart phone technology it correlates exactly it also the they graph it and they show you that it correlates exactly that that our young people are also getting much less sleep and why because they had their phone in their room with them and they're they're in depression can i tell you also the 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 suicide rate is skyrocketing now I believe that Christians, even mom and dad, Christian mom and dads, that the Spirit of God probably said to you, they don't need that in their room. 
probably said to you, your children really don't need that at all. But instead of listening to the Spirit of God, we listen to the whining of friends, of children, of spouse, or whoever. And we let them have it. But it's not always somebody else's child. I've just been devastated again this week. Another uh, good, faithful, church-going millennial committed suicide. It's just, it's epidemic. And they'll tell you it's because of the social media. And I'm, that's not about social media tonight, but, I, but I'm thinking that probably if this is so devastational, maybe the Spirit of God's trying to warn us against some of this stuff. We got people shooting people right and left. I mean, you were just blowing each other away. And, and look, they show it. It's statistical that virtually all these mass murders, can I tell you what they have in common? They play games killing people. Folks, I believe that the Spirit of God probably is saying, you probably don't need this. Those hours spent on that, instead of messing your mind up, those hours spent on that could be spent on something good for God. The sadness of the Spirit of God increases, but our willingness to listen decreases as we refuse the voice once again. Eventually, we do not hear any longer. And here's what I hear probably as much as I've ever heard it. Come on, man. Wonder grace. Besides that, I'm not convicted by it at all. Does God change? If God doesn't change, why did he, when I got saved in, in 1975, whip the fire out of me about the stuff you say you have no conviction over? I really don't understand that. I never heard a sermon. I changed the, 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 the hellish music I listened to. I changed it and it wasn't even in church, never been baptized. I just sitting in my, my, my apartment beside my wife-to-be. We're, I live with my brother in an apartment, and, and, I, and I, God just said, this can't glorify me. Now, I don't even know. Look, one man quoted one little piece of verse to me and said everything that we do should be done to the glory of God. And in five, ten minutes, I broke every bit of my music. Because the Spirit of God said, this can't glorify God. And you know what? I thank God from the very beginning, I started responding immediately. Now, I'm not saying I do all the time. I'm as human as anybody. But, but bless God, I've learned I'm a whole lot better off when I just say yes and do it. But today, I have no conviction about that. I, I just don't understand. How did God change so much? And they'll always look at me and say, well, you just do that because somebody told you to. I was a college student at Memphis State, not even in church. Who in the world told me to? Amen. 
And I'll say to him, yes, I do it because somebody told me to. He just happened to be God. Or they'll say that I don't feel there's anything wrong with it. Okay, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I believe you may be at the point you don't feel anything wrong with it. I believe there's a point where you can get to where you truly are not convicted by it. It's called a seared conscience. What has happened is our conscience has been seared with a spiritual hot iron. The tender heart has been cauterized. Don't hear anything? Our spiritual ears have been cauterized. Our eardrums are seared. You're nothing. So, very short message tonight. If you can hear the voice at all, I'm just going to tell you, you ought to respond. And you ought to respond immediately. You know, the truth is, I've been in in camps. I've been in a few churches where I wasn't finished with what I was preaching. There was no invitation given, but somebody came. And then others came. I was in one at a camp where my girls were... Singing, and they all came before I got to preach. I was in a college chapel one time and and began to preach and had a group sing a song and and I got up and i I didn't get three words out, and we went through about forty five minutes of an invitation, but it was an invitation. I was like, would y'all go sit down so I can preach my great message? <laughs> I'm just saying that whatever, whenever you hear that voice, you say, well, I don't hear a voice. Okay? Do you feel that pressure? Do you, do you feel that, I can't explain it. But it's as clear as day. God don't want me doing this. The Lord wants something different. And it's not always doesn't want me to do it. Sometimes it's, it's about speaking to that person about Christ or handing him a track. I mean, if you've ever done this, you understand that sometimes you, you feel it, you feel it, you feel it, and you finally think, okay, okay, wait a minute. Before I go anywhere, I've got to give you one of these. You may tear it up, you may throw it down, but I've got to give you this because there's something inside of me. My chest is about to explode. I'm getting tense inside. I'm getting, I can't, you know, does anybody understand what I'm talking about? This road to a seared conscience can happen to anyone. See, this is what we get sometimes. Sometimes we get to the point, and and can I just warn you, if you feel like you're 
this, none of this is for you, you might be in the greatest danger. You see, David was a man after God's own heart, but he didn't listen when the Spirit of God said, go to battle. You say, it doesn't say that, but I believe it was in there. I believe the Spirit of God told him, go to battle, because this is when kings go to battle. And you see, God knows what Satan's going to do. Satan doesn't always know what God's going to do, but God knows everything Satan's going to do. So he knows he's about to tempt him. So if it look, I believe that God would have told David, get out of Dodge. He didn't listen when the Spirit of God said, don't look out that window. You say, well, it doesn't say that, but I'm going to tell you this. God knows who's out that window. So don't you think the Spirit of God would tell you, don't look that way? He did not listen when the Spirit of God said, don't take another man's wife. And you say, well, it doesn't say that. Oh, yes, it does. He did not listen when the Spirit of God said, thou shalt not kill. And he was on a road to a seared conscience. I'm going to listen. But God spoke one more time. I don't believe God would have spoken more than this one time. He spoke one more time through the prophet Nathan. And Nathan said to David, thou art the man. And you know what David's reply was? I've sinned against the Lord. He said, you're right, it's me. You know what God's looking for us to do? He's looking for us to be willing to say, it's me. Too much of Christianity says it's you. But God doesn't care about you saying, pointing out who else it is. He wants you to say, it's me. You know, David's at least better than Adam. You know, Adam, the woman you gave me. So people say, blame it on the woman. No, notice he said, you gave me. He blamed it on God. No, hey, you know what? At least David said, no, I have sinned. He didn't say, no, as a stinking woman, she shouldn't have been bathing in a in rooftop. No, he said, I have sinned. You know who he sinned against? The Lord. Because the Lord was one telling him not to do this stuff. Saul, on the other hand, was corrected but hardened his heart to the voice of the Spirit. A judgment was passed upon him for his heart, his conscience was seared. Now, I've heard often, and I'm about done, I've heard often that we should inquire of the Lord about things as simple as the route to take to church, home, or work. Now, I'm going to tell you, I think we should, but I'm going to explain it. I believe this is a great habit to have because I think it's really good to make it a habit to ask God almost everything. Lord, which way do you want me to drive home? Which way do you want me to turn? Father, do you want me to listen to that radio? I listen to radio classics on my, on my uh, truck, especially when I'm traveling. You know, old radio classics. I listen to the old detectives. You know, if the Spirit of God says you don't listen, listen to that one, then i got to turn it off. But listen, the great, I think it's a great habit, but what, we're, what we are really doing through this 
kind of habitual thing that, that is good to set up is we're teaching ourselves to stop and open our spiritual ears to what I believe the Holy Spirit was already saying. You see, I don't think you have to ask God. No, they did. You see, all through the Old Testament, they inquired of God, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit living within them like we do. I believe he's speaking all the time. We get it drowned out so much that I think it's good to create something in our life where we stop and say, Lord, what do you want? Because what we really just said was, I got my ears open, talk to me. And I think it would be something really good. I think it would be really good tonight if we just said, Lord, look at me. Don't look at anybody else. Look at me. So I think we need to stop and listen before we punch the button. Stop and listen before we go in that place. Stop and listen before we purchase that item. You know, I've gotten burned financially every time I feel that kind of inside me like, probably not, probably not, probably not, but I really want it. That's the time I get burned every time. That's the time that God lets me take a long time paying that off. Stop and listen before you take that job. Stop and listen before you date that person. Stop and listen before you buy that item. You know, it just stop and listen. And I've intentionally not tried to, you know, get all on moral issues because I'll be honest with you, uh, it don't take a... It, you, you don't have to be a, a genius to figure out that if you're dealing with a moral issue, that you better stop and listen. But God just says stop and listen. Because if you don't, he said every time, every time you refuse, you don't listen, you're darkening. And you're grieving the heart of God more and more. Until one day, you're seared. There's no light going to come out at all. There's nothing even going to be I don't know that God doesn't continue to speak. I know when the conscience is seared, you can't hear. Father, I pray that you bless us, Lord. I, 